up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. I love the fact that y'all checking out the People's Party and showing us a lot of love. You know what we do? We're bringing you all the live guests. We're bringing you the best podcast on the internet. Just make sure you subscribe and leave a review. People's Party, Talib Kweli. Let's go. What's up, party people in the place to be? You're now rocking with Talib Kweli, the BKMC. This is the People's Party. Welcome back to another fantastic episode and edition. Give it up to my lovely co-host, Jasmine Lee, in the place to be. What's up? Jazz, what's going on? I'm double thinking the Sphinx I put on. That's what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) T-M-I. This episode is not about your Sphinx. (laughs) This episode... (laughs) is featuring another friend of mine. I love having friends with People's Party. This is a guy I've known for 20 years plus. This is a guy that when I first started my career before I was famous as an artist, I was running the streets of New York City with this young man. Um, he has worked with some of the biggest names in hip-hop and is responsible for some of the biggest and best records of hip-hop, but not just records that were like hits, records that defined an era. He has made era-defining classics. From Kanye West to Black Star to Kid Cudi to the Far Side, man, this guy has worked with like some of my favorite artists. Um, he was there when my children were born. Wow. He was there when I first learned how to DJ. He was in the crib dancing at my parties. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for 88 Keys. Nice, nice intro. Nice intro. Yeah. I thought the backflip was coming. <laughs> nah, see, I was, I was, I was thinking about it, but I was like, man, let me not completely play myself. We um do a contest for best walk-ons, <laughs> and we don't tell everybody. It's got to be natural. You just, you stepped it up right there. I, I liked I, it. But did I win? I don't know. Anthony Anderson was pretty good. Oh. <laughs> that was close though. Anthony. <laughs> now, now, now he's my arch nemesis. What's up, eh? Man, chilling. How you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling uh I'm feeling a little spicy from the food that I just had. What'd you there. eat? Uh the jerk and some the gentrified other- Jamaican food. Yeah, yeah. We film in LA <laughs> and uh I'm not I enjoy it. We just had some festival that she didn't like. And because she didn't oh, like the festival here? No, the festival like the the the, the oh, I thought you meant right. like the the, you know. the festival. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't like it so uh, uh, basically, it's made by white people now. <laughs> no. oh, okay. And it comes with kale. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, there was kale in there. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, but no, I, I, feel, I feel good. I feel good. good. I feel spicy. Good. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. Um, you were born in up in the Bronx where the people are fresh. Yes, in the BX. That's right. The, the home of hip hop. Yes, the home. And actually, uh, from what I was told, before I was born, my family lived in uh, Cedric. Okay. And they lived, I think, in the neighboring uh, What's that building, building number? It's 1540? Cedric? Man, we should know this. We should know this as people who do hip-hop. The building where hip-hop was started at. Yeah, but unfortunately, we do not know it. That's right. Somebody in the comments section. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's where it is. Your parents are from Cameroon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my my father, who uh, you know, he passed in 2015. Uh, Rest in peace. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, he's. Uh, they were both from Cameroon. Uh, here's the weird thing. Um, both That's of my parents. Africa for people who don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> what's <Westside>? up? <laughs> um, of Africa. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's neighboring uh, Nigeria and the Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing is, um, my parents—they're both from Cameroon, born, born and raised. And <clears throat> my mother, she speaks twenty-five different dialects of wow. of of uh, languages from Cameroon, and mm-hmm. she also speaks a little bit of German because she went to boarding school okay. uh, in Germany. My dad, he speaks his language, which I I failed to remember the the name of the language. But they don't speak each other's language. Ah, so they only the language of love. Yeah, that and uh, English. Right. Um, I thought it was French because we had Gina Yashere, uh, who was a comedian whose parents are from Nigeria. Yeah, well, they're, she, yeah, they're supposed to speak French. But well, that's what she said. She yeah. said that you know she talked about. Uh, not wanting to say she was African. She said, she because, you know, they would be made fun of in London. And she mm. said, I would tell people I'm not African. I'm from Cameroon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she said, because they, they speak French there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I used to not claim being African in the 80s. Yeah, it was uh, tough times. Extremely tough. Yeah. Um, especially after, like, Delirious came out. <laughs> it you was mean a, Raw? We were just talking oh, about Yeah, Raw, Raw. Raw. Yeah, 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 raw, raw, raw. Yep, yeah. right. Um, Explain that to us. Man, so growing up in the 80s in the Bronx, well, I was I was born in 76, but, you know, growing up in the 80s as a, as a child in the Bronx, uh, Eastchester, mm-hmm. um, I was, uh, what was it, which, the name of the block was like 223rd in Eastchester, um, uh, by Edenwall Projects, and, uh, yeah, it was just it was just rough for it for for Africans because Jamaicans were cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jamaicans they were always cool because mm-hmm. you know uh, the patois mm-hmm. and just like the um, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you're going to like? Just like the, the whole aesthetic of <laughs> being a Jamaican, Jamaican? It was like fresh, <laughs> you know. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know if if there were any Haitians in my area. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There could have been Haitians, but they were probably Pretending just like Africans. to be Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what the Haitians did in my neighborhood. Oh, they, uh, back because then? Because the Haitians was picked on by the other people from the Caribbean. Oh, okay, so they was right in the yep. same boat. Yep. They like, pretend to be Jamaican. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so I, I couldn't, I you know, I couldn't admit to being an African and stuff because, you know, like the stereotypes about Africans who were like, um, you know, we, we we wore bones in our noses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, now I got my second <laughs> pair. So, y'all, it's cool now. I wish I had a bone. Um, oh God. Uh, yeah, bones through the noses. Uh, you know, we you know our our pets were goats and mm-hmm. stuff. And actually, I think our pet was a goat. Yeah. Um, Jamaican <laughs> <laughs> When did you get over that and start um, owning it? I got over it. Uh, eighth grade. Eighth grade. So my family, uh, you know, Roman Catholic. My, my mother, she was a Protestant, but, you know, my dad, Roman Catholic, and, you know, he ran the household as Roman Catholic. Myself and my older brother and three older sisters. So it's five of us in the household. And um, so all up until that time, I went to Catholic school. I used I begged my parents to take me out of Catholic school because, so our uniform, like before, before sixth grade, our uniforms were, Dark brown, like doodle brown oh, no. pants. Doodle brown. Doodle brown pants. Piss yellow shirt. Ew. No, I swear to God. Doodle brown pants. Piss yellow shirt. Um, and our uh, the plaid was like forest green and gray. Plaid. I used to wear that. I used to go to school called Junior Academy. I wore the same colors. Ew. For real? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just like that was just, like the official New York City 
school, serious school colors. Man, Mine it was, was navy blue and yellow. That that's what I was used to seeing. Like, <laughs> every, like everybody else had fresh colors, like you know, scarlet. I mean, it's, uh, right. Meanwhile, we in, we the colors of vomit. Yeah, and piss, <laughs> Pit, vomit, piss, and poop. Right. Um. Yeah, I went to Our Lady of Grace on Bronxwood. I, man, you're right. It's all coming back to me. Um, <laughs> I had spoken to him about this. He said, my memory is terrible. I'm not going to remember anything. I said, I'm going to ask the questions in a way that's going to trigger your memory. Good and job. triggers are being pulled right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I begged I begged them to for me to go to uh, uh, public school just so I could like not wear these colors and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I went to public school. Uh, I went to... Uh, PS 142, John Philip Sousa Junior High School. Principal was Dr. Brindle. He walked around with a bat. Oh, <laughs> um, God. They call him a Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I'm the HNIC. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he watched that movie. Okay. I was like, are you quoting lead on me right now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they used to call me crazy Joe. Gotta call me Batman. <laughs> Yeah, so so that so seventh grade, seventh grade was uh was brand new to me, but then by eighth grade, I was the man in the in school. Like, and I'm sure f- Facebook is gonna like contest this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. So 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 I learned how to. I taught myself how to dance from watching uh you know video music box, and then watch. But my crossover into dancing was when I watched the boys. Ah, Hakeem and them. Yeah, at the Apollo. Shout out to Hakeem and the boys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They yeah. like have like a vegan business now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I taught myself how to dance. Um, I was always short, but I had, uh, I convinced my parents to allow me to have the Gumby haircut. The Gumby was important. I had a Gumby, but my shit had like steps in it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, like, didn't True Goy have that? No. Didn't True Goy have that? Like, it, his, his was like the nappy version. Oh, okay, I had, okay. Like, the clean oh, the actual stuff. <laughs> you had the, the the interior decorated. Like. Yeah, my shit was like a marble staircase. <laughs> Gumby. What was Gumby for the people who don't know? Yeah. Gumby, oh, do, so you, do you know what a Gumby is? In a cartoon. Well, yeah. But yeah Gumby's but, a hairstyle. I know, but I derived oh, oh, a cartoon for, character. That's right. Yeah. Because it made your head look like Gumby. Like Gumby, yeah. I'm Gumby, damn it. Yeah, so... um. And and that year I also bagged the baddest chick in the school, Nicole McWhite. Right. Um, for everybody who's watching, uh, bagged is s- slang for I got her phone number. He didn't actually put her in a bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> Relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me two to my yeah. show. <laughs> Shit. Oh, um, <laughs> um, oh uh, no. Yeah, I kid. I kid. He kids. He kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have kids. I have and dogs. He also has kids. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so so by eighth grade, you know, my confidence was through the roof. I also had a a very close friend who like we were around the same height and he had the flat top mm-hmm. and he was the man in, in the school as well. And then we just like kind of linked up and then you know he brought me around to so his So y'all people. had the ill hair because then the dancing. Mm-hmm. That's where your love yeah. of dancing started because you dance all the time. I found a. F- I found. Footage. I dance coming in. He did. I found <laughs> footage of a rehearsal I had <laughs> when I was hiring DJ Chaps. But it's like a rehearsal at 88 Keys for some reason. Because I don't invite him. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. For some reason, he's always there. Yeah. <laughs> at these moments in my life. I show up. He shows up. He pulls up. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm rehearsing my band for the Erica Badu Mama's Gun Tour. And there's footage of me rehearsing my band, and then the camera pans, and it's 88 keys. 
just dancing <laughs> by himself in the studio while we rehearsing. Does not matter. Like, you know, uh, music just moves me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it just, it, I don't know, it just loosens my joints. And I feel, <laughs> I feel real good. With, I mean, no, no, when, like, yeah, m- music just moves me. And I, I actually, I don't care who's around mm-hmm. to dance like no one is watching eight. Yeah, you know, like That's dance fever. That's how, that's exactly how I live my life. Yes, I know. Yo, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah. But, now, um, your story to me is sort of a Long Island story. Crib. Mm. It's a story mm. of, she's from Roosevelt. All do, West all, Hempstead. All Rose lead there for some reason baby. on the show. Um, <laughs> your story, Long Island, for people who understand hip hop for real, mm. they understand the impact of Long Island, what Long Island represents, yeah. but it still feels underrepresented no matter what. No, no matter, matter what. how many... Rakim's public enemies, uh, uh, leaders of new schools, mm. you know, no matter how many 88 keys come Plus out the of rhymes. De La Soul. Oh, I could tell you why. I mean, mm. my, me thought, my thought is because cats from Long Island, well, at least back then, you know, I don't even, like, I'm 43 now, so mm. I'm not in the mix anymore. Mm. But back then, it's like nobody... They didn't claim it. Mm-hmm. They didn't claim it. So it's like, you know, you had cats who lived there all their lives and they were like, yo, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And I was born in a hospital in Brooklyn. <laughs> I moved here when I was three. Right. But like, but I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. Because it was like it wasn't hard to say you was from Long Island. Yeah, yeah. Like you were not hard at all. And and, and there were there are neighborhoods on Long Island that's, that's hard. like extremely hard. With the hard with, yeah, with the Yeah, with the with or. Horde. It was horde. <laughs> You know, and they had hoarders because we had houses. Right. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, Lawns and shit. Yeah, and you know. Grass, trees. Yeah. De La Soul really went out their way to really represent Long Island and not and represent the Long Island lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To not pretend they were anything other than they were. And shout out to Prince Paul. Yes. You know, talk about the influence of Prince Paul on hip hop in your or your life. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, Actually, it's funny because it had uh, a negative impact at first. So, you know, De La Soul came out, what was it, 88, 89? I was still 80, living- 88, yeah. 88. So I was still living on in uh, in the Bronx. Plug, uh, plug one, plug two, two. plug tuning. Yeah, cause I, I, remember, I remember the first time I heard that, uh, Red Alert spun it on Kiss. And I didn't know what I was listening to. And this is, you know, uh, of course, you know, uh, EPMD, uh, Kane on the right. radio and stuff like that, like all these. Like, how could I have not mentioned EPMD when I was running down those long? long oh articles? yeah, I mean that's I, yeah. well, you know. Um, but uh, so so back then, like actually, I feel like that's probably what prompted me getting the Gumby haircut. You know, because mm-hmm. like you know, true or oh, Pass. Like remember Pass? He had he had like the step thing. Yeah, going the step. On. See, we was uh, De La Soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so so back then, I was in eighth grade, and even though I was popping. I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> even though I was, you know, own it. I was, I was popping. God damn it! it. <laughs> you know, I, I was highly favored. Right. Um, blessed and blessed and yeah. and uh, you know, but I loved De La Soul mm-hmm. and there I used we to, all. Well, you know, the thing is, like, I feel like cats they 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 liked them back then, like in my area in the Bronx, but they wouldn't um, admit to it, mm. and I was admitting to it, and people made fun of me. That's interesting. Yeah. For me, Daylight was so liberating because it was like they created that lane for me. Yeah. And hip- Drunk Jungle Brothers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Red Alert, Jungle Brothers. But Daylight, uh, Daylight spoke to me more because Jungle Brothers was still at that moment in my life 
It was uptown. Mm. It looked it looked kind of rough and rugged. They had on like the the, the forty below boots. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. vest was like we we going. I was too young to go out in the world. Yeah, yeah. Jungle Brothers looked like they was out in the in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, straight exactly. out the jungle. I didn't want to be in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> but De La Soul. Oh, because Africans see. Africans see. Yeah, <laughs> it all comes back. Right. De La Soul with that video. For me, myself, and I in school, yeah. that was my experience being the weird kid in school. Mm -hmm. So when I saw them owning that in the video, I was like, that's me. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know what? Man, triggers. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I actually had a rap group back then uh, called The Village Idiots. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I was leaning more towards like a De La Souza. I mean, I didn't know anything about producing or mm -hmm. anything. So we were just rapping on people's like uh, singles and mm -hmm. stuff like that. The B-side always wins. The B-side always yeah. wins. Um yeah, so uh, so yeah, I got made fun of, but then when I moved to Long Island, um, you know, I actually hooked up with uh, a, a a friend, like one of my first friends in high school, who is now like uh, a high executive at Live Nation, mm -hmm. um, Christian McKnight. Mm -hmm. uh, like we linked because he saw how I was dressing. I think I had, um, and this is before I started rocking polo. Like mm -hmm. this is like first day of school, and I, I think I had cowrie shells or whatever. Mm -hmm. I had the uh, what was that uh, that. Pull over with the uh, it looked like a potato sack almost, and it had like the <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know uh, what I'm talking about. It looked like a poncho, it was called, yeah, it looked like a poncho. It was called uh, it, the hippie kids used to wear, them. yeah, yeah, like like Castle used to play the hack, you know, do yeah, the hacky yeah, sack, yeah. and all it that. Like yeah. the same material a hacky sack was made out of, yeah, 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 exactly. Like so, you're wearing a burlap sack with a hood, <laughs> yep. What's that yeah. called? Somebody, I didn't know, hacky sack. Back there. Somebody tell me, <laughs> Jared, <laughs> anybody, <laughs> our neighborhood whites, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so I was wearing that. And uh, this kid was like, hey, you like a Tribe Called Quest? I was like, oh boy, do I? <laughs> <laughs> and then our friendship was sealed. And, you know, yeah, to that day, I mean, to this day, rather. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, but yeah, th thinking back about the impact of, of hip-hop on Long Island and rappers who came out of Long Island, um, I lived in West Hempstead, and I lived on a block called Eagle Avenue. And on Eagle Avenue and a, a major uh, street called uh, Woodfield Road, mm -hmm. there's a barbershop, or there is a barbershop called Star Salon. Mm -hmm. The owner of Star Salon is this, uh, is a reverend. We all call him Rev. Cool nickname. Um, his son, well, one of his many sons was Onyx the Birthstone Kid, you know, from KMD. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so KMD was predominantly, or they were all from Long Beach, which is like a few towns away from uh, West Hempstead. But they filmed, um, uh, who, yeah, I think they filmed Who Me right there on the corner. Oh, uh, you Peach Fuzz. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Well, no, Pe uh, Peach, Peach Fuzz was out, but right. like Who Me, like okay. they filmed it right there oh, okay, in, okay. in the corner. So uh, I was like, so that was like my first brush with like a real like rappers, mm. professional rappers. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Shout out to KMD, rest in peace, Sub Rock. Sub Rock, Shout yeah. Shout out to MF Doom. Yeah, Dingalese Way Doomale, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, hip, hip hop was like, around you know and you know we all listen to it uh, you know of course and stuff but yeah I, I i think i think uh just cats just being afraid to say they're from long island and mm -hmm. wanting to be hard and stuff like that i think that's what kind of like stifled people from knowing you were working in a studio in long island mm -hmm. and you met pete rock and large professor and q-tip and these people right sort of mm -hmm. sort of so um i started interning at uh the studio called the music palace mm -hmm. And from there, um, and then eventually I met this guy named John Carrero. Mm -hmm. Wait, you want a full story? Oh, yeah, we have time. Yeah, you got this. Oh, okay, cool. 
<coughs> so I'm about to go in. It's about to go in. So the story of ADA keys. The birth. My mom, she was like, uh, nah, so, um, uh, so, all right, uh, at 14 years old, all right, th this is the beginning of me going into music. At 14 years old, I, you, you remember, well, there was this radio station, uh, Kiss FM, mm -hmm. uh, you know. I don't that, remember it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, uh, uh, Clue. Nah, um, nah, so, uh. You know, so I was listening to Kiss, and remember on Sundays they had uh, Cool Kiss Classics mm -hmm. from 8 to, like, midnight or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my sisters, they were heavy into, like, the music and radio and stuff like that. So I would just, like, listen to the radio, like, you know, by accident because mm -hmm. I'm just trying to hang out with my sisters or whatever. But I'm, like, seven years younger than everybody else, so they didn't really want me around. Um, so I heard uh, Roy Ayers' Ubiquity, Everybody Loves the Sunshine. When I heard that song, I was immediately drawn to the song because I'm thinking like, oh, this is this has to be a like um, a B side remix to uh, Everybody Loves the Sunshine, uh, Wake Up with the by Brand, Brand Nubians. Nubians, yeah, right. Because you heard Brand Nubian first, yeah, I heard Brand Nubian okay. first, and of, and again, this is like before the internet, mm -hmm. so I didn't know anything about producing or sampling or nothing, or anything, anything like that. So you know, but I knew about that the SD fifties remix that they did. Um, so I heard the song and I was I was drawn to it. I was pulled in, and then uh, you know I wanted to know you know who the who the feature was. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's like a feature. Yeah. So I called the radio station. I called. <laughs> you Kiss. called up the. <laughs> what that was the one you played just now? Something about sunshine. Yeah. No. No. But but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like I called and I got through on my first call. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. And that like I, I feel like that doesn't happen. You it know, doesn't. just calling a radio station as big as Kiss. So I called, got through. And I asked them, and they told me, and uh, and they said, "Hey, good luck finding the record." Then I went to uh, went went to the Yellow Pages. What's from that? I'm just I kidding. Know. <laughs> I, know what, I know what the Yellow Pages. Yeah, the only record shop that I could find was the one that I already knew about that sold like uh, current well current music at the time. You know, hip hop R and B was is a um, store in Hempstead. They actually sold old records in the back, but you know, not. Not they really. They weren't catalog, probably. Yeah, yeah, more catalog stuff or whatever. So then I asked the owner about the record, and he said, "Well, I know, I know a guy in uh, Malvern, which was on the opposite side of my hometown, uh, West Hempstead. So here's his number. Give him a call. He could probably help you." Called is this guy named Red Carrero, lived in Malvern with his wife Amy, sweet old couple. Gave me the address. Go over uh, after school. I went over to the house. I go to the house and it's it's a two it's a two store house two story house you know with an attic and basement filled with records top to bottom. As soon as you walk in, you see records like in their bathrooms. There's like crates of records wow. and stuff like or boxes of records. So I asked them about it and they were telling me like they said, "Hey, you know we don't have that, but our son might have it." And you know he you know he deals with records too, uh, John Carrero. Mm. So I'm like, all right, cool. He said, hey, if, you know, if you could come back tomorrow, we'll ask him about it. And if he has it, you know, he'll bring it by. <clears throat> so went there the next day, 14 years old, I meet John Carrero. And the on first sight, I'm like scared because this dude looks like Hell's Angels. Long, red hair, the ponytail, tats, black leather vest. You know, like I, I feel like he had like 
pack of cigarettes like rolled up in a sleeve, maybe <laughs> whatever. Like no, he had the the full like he had the Harley in the front, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I asked him if you know he has the record sealed, and he hands it to me, and uh, I'm like, I'm looking at the cover, and the cover is just like intriguing. At, you know, you know what the cover looks like. I'm like, man, this this looks mm-hmm. crazy, and you know, so he charges me for it, and then he goes, hey, what do you you know what do you want with this record? I said, I don't know, I I, I just like the song. And he goes, all right. So it sells the records to me. And then uh, I go home and I listen to it on my, on my dad's uh, stereo system. And I, my mind was blown, mm-hmm. like just listening to the record from front, you know, from front to back. And, wow. I, and that was like my first time, like really, t- I mean, I've heard old music before, mm-hmm. but that's the first time that I've purchased my own record mm-hmm. and my own, you know, and just taking it all in. I was like, and, oh, and I, and I heard the, um, the song, well, I, you know, the far side they weren't out at the time, obviously, but you know they did that remix for uh, uh, "Walk uh, Passing Me By," mm-hmm. the the Fly's Pie remix or whatever. Yeah, so that was on that. Roy Ayers, Roy Ayers. Yeah, and and I remember when when I eventually got into sampling, I sampled that like you know like ten years before. So like, <laughs> give me some credit. So so yeah, um, so I bought that record, and then eventually I went back to John, and I bought another record, and then he's just like, "This is weird, like you're." 14 years old like right. you know what do you what want do you with doing? all this old dusty music yeah right. eventually I started working for him and you know I was cleaning his records and then I asked you know he's paying me I was like you know cause, uh, like the money that I like, so I wasn't allowed to work I, I wasn't allowed to get a teen job or anything like no. that so you know for me to get these this money I had to like uh, not eat lunch at school, so my lunch money was going towards records. You sacrificed your lunch money, yeah. You to know, buy records. Yeah, it's like I, the, the the records were you was feeding that hungry. My, the record, yeah, I was that hungry, and the records were feeding my soul. That's right. Why were you not allowed? <laughs> 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 Why were you not allowed to work? Um, because my parents are Cameroonian, and it's like school, school, school. So you could oh. be a doctor, doctor, doctor. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, and you know they didn't want any distractions. I couldn't play sports or anything like that. It's like, yeah, it's, it's real like that. The large professor named you. Yes. So by this time, uh, working for John, you know, I started to become his ear. So by the way, so John Carrero, who also uh, passed, mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace. Your rest in peace to John. Uh, I used to call him Crates Carrero. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually one of the biggest record vendors mm-hmm. or record brokers in uh, on the East Coast at the time. Um, and I eventually became his ears mm. where, you know, like, you know, he like he always had his spots where he went digging and like, you know, he'll buy records for like, you know, four dollars, eight dollars and then flip them, you know, for like a, a great profit. Um, and then when I became his ears, where it's like, yo, you should buy this, because by this time I knew what sampling was, mm-hmm. which is like almost a year later. So you I'm knew like, which 15. records had value. I mean, th- what what that I felt would have value because right. like I didn't, you know, I couldn't like do any list pricing or whatever. But you know, I was like, yo, I think this could be good for a rap beat or mm-hmm. hip hop beat or whatever. So from there, um, you know, uh, people started like pouring in, like like people of note. So I remember one day, and uh, I would never forget this day. You know, fifteen years old, I'm at his house and I'm cleaning records and stuff like that. He gets a phone call. And he's like, you know, he's on the phone and I'm just like, you know, another customer or whatever, not paying much attention to it or whatever. And then he goes, okay, yeah, all right, cool. All right, so so uh, your name is Jonathan. All right, and he's writing, uh, 
uh, Jonathan Davis. And I heard that. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, nah. And he's still talking. Like, he's like closing the deal or whatever. And I was like, hey, John, John, ask him if, 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 uh, if he's part of a group called, a tribe called Quest. And he goes, yeah, oh yeah, just one, one more thing. Are, are, are you part of a tropical quest? Oh my God. <laughs> Man, I hit him with this emoji like. Right. <laughs> you invented that emoji. I, at that moment. Oh. At that moment. Give like, him his credit. Right. Yeah, you know. Um, I was like, no, a, a tribe called Quest. And he goes, oh, he goes, oh, you are? Q-tip. Right. So to backtrack. I'm all over the place because you asked me about Prince Paul and stuff like that. Um, it's all these names are incredible though. Like this is you're you're 15 years old. You said yeah. Wow. So the Prince Paul and the De La Soul thing. Like I always, all right. I fell in love. No, I I liked hip hop a lot. By the time I heard EPMD, Special Ed, um, JVC Force, and stuff like that during the like the treacherous three era and stuff like that like i was a kid and but and i didn't have an appreciation like i liked it but it was just like i like um billy joel and like uh hall and notes more yeah. because my sisters listen to that more yeah. than you know the hip-hop stuff and then you know the, billy the, joel from long island yeah i believe i believe so or at least christy brinkley i think she was oh. yeah. <laughs> do your goggles um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, so 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 this like like listening to hip hop back for me back then, like it was cool, but I didn't I didn't grow a fondness for it because you know they were like their the rap the raps and the cadences weren't as advanced mm-hmm. until like you know uh, rock everybody yeah. rock came came out and stuff like that, and it was basically just drum beats like you know whatever. So like the whole uh. Run DMC thing, like I, I, I liked it, but I didn't, I didn't fall in love with it. So when De La Soul came out, so I mean, I'm sorry. So you know, all those other aforementioned rappers came out. I was like, yo, I, yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. And you know, I was into it. I was buying cassettes and stuff, buying my own tapes. And then when De La Soul came out, that's when like there was a, a shift for me. And I was like, yo, this is not only is it different just for the sake of being different, but it's actually really good. Like they're not, they're not. I mean, again, I, even though I didn't know what sampling was, mm-hmm. but it didn't sound like James Brown right. again. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it didn't sound like the, the same soul samples and stuff right. like that. So I, I started to grow a connection for it. And, you know, um, and then finding out about like the native tongues that, that was forming, mm-hmm. you know. But then when Tribe came out, when I left my wine and El Segundo came out, that completely blew my mm-hmm. mind. And then... Uh, Benita Applebaum. And then, oh. so, so, so when the album came out, People's Instinct the Travels in the Past of Rhythm, just looking at the cover yeah. was like ridiculous. Right. You know, and then, you Excellent. know, yeah, reading the inserts and then seeing that, that photo with their, all of them on the brick wall and they're like mm-hmm. looking down and stuff and like how they was dressing and stuff. Yep. And, you know, me being African and, you know, the whole Afrocentrism right. was, com- was coming around and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I could actually be myself and I could be African, which is also myself. There we go. Yeah, so everything... That's what's so important about that era in Native Tongues and what they oh did for all of us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, gave us a, a sense of self-worth uh, and, mm. you know, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so by the time... So when Tribe came out, like, that's when I fell in love with hip-hop. And then I was like, yo, I got to be a part of this somehow. And again, there was no internet. So I didn't know how 
like what role I was going to play. Like, you know, I formed a group, the rap group and stuff like that. But, you know, that was like short lived because you couldn't rap. Um, <laughs> you can rap. I can rap now. Okay, not then. Not then. Okay, okay. okay. Actually, I could. I can't really rap. I mean, I could rap now like, if, <laughs> if, if, if I really wanted to be a rapper. Okay, right. Yeah, uh, let's be clear. Let's quantify that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so so Q-Tip became my hero, mm-hmm. and you know, and then even more so once I found out his actual role, besides being at the top of the pyramid, right. the leader. But you know, when I found out making those beats, yeah, yeah, you know, um. So yeah, so so he was my hero to this day. So when he said that, and he confirmed when John coming back around, when John confirmed that that was Q-tip on on the phone, and I'm you know I'm 15 years old, my head exploded, right, and my heart exploded, and and uh, he was like, okay, so are you coming over? Yes, that what you just did. That's what I did in my head, right. in my heart. Yeah, and then so I was begging John. I said, "Yo, please have him come over like four thirty because I I had school. Oh, I was yeah. in school. Like I cannot miss it. And and I knew I couldn't. Like I wasn't a skip to school kind of kid because like I was. Yeah. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over there getting high and shit. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, like I wasn't gonna. But you know, I mean, I would have cut class right, if right, I had I to. But if you know, if if, we, if something could be worked out. Mm-hmm. So I so I don't have to get an ass whooping. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been well worth the ass whooping. Though. Oh no, one thousand percent. I would have took it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So so uh. So yeah. Um. Yo, I remember this Q-tip pulled up. He had the three twenty five I, the silver one, and I'm looking. I'm like, yo, my heart is racing. Like hands getting all sweaty. I'm like, yo, I just got to remember that I got to be cool. Mm-hmm. I got to be cool. And um, yeah, I was cool. Like I, I didn't ask him a million questions or whatever. And I, I don't think I was looking at him all crazy. <laughs> you look I'm crazy gonna, as you're thinking about it. Right. I, so I was looking at, I was looking at him crazy. Then I was looking at him crazy. Can right. I touch you? Yeah. <laughs> Word out. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So so um, so that was his first visit. And then um, he came over like two or three other times by mm-hmm. then. And then the third or fourth time he came over. By this time, you know, John. Like he recognized my ear for it, and then I, you know, and he knew how badly I wanted to actually start making beats. And you know, I let me pull it back a little bit. I remember, I want to say the third time Cutie came over. You know, by this time I was like, I mean, I was, I wasn't like, yo, that's my man, that's mm-hmm. my guy, whatever. But I was like, all right, I could like, you know, kind of start asking him a few questions while he's digging and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, I said, man, you know, uh, like, how, how do you make beats? And he says, oh, get a sampler, and that's all he said. He said, get a sampler. He didn't say anything about sequencing, like what sampler to get. Mm-hmm. But um, I was like, all right, cool. So John, so I told John, John went and bought uh S950, uh, Akai S950, just a sampler. We didn't know anything about sequencing and like putting it together or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, eventually we upgraded to the Akai, I mean, to the Insonic ASR10 keyboard. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I mean he right. upgraded me. Right. So, so so he kept the equipment at his house, <laughs> right. you know, because he spent like thousands of dollars mm-hmm. on this equipment and I'm just a kid. So by this time I was like around 16 years old and, um, <clears throat> you know, I got pretty good at looping samples. Like I wasn't like chopping beats or anything What's like the that. difference between looping and chopping? So when you loop a sample, you know, you're taking like a section of the sample and you ha- you're kind of copying it 
in uh, to it itself, mm-hmm. and, and you do it for a, re- a repeated amount of time. When you're chopping it up, you're taking a section of a of a recording. And you take pieces of that section and you like rearrange it. Okay, mm. good. And you know, to, to, you know, really to manipulate the sound and, you know, to give it a different. In your spin. mind, that's more creative and more ownership, right? You know what? Than just a straight loop. Well, well, here's the thing. Like, I used to think that way. And I thought that way for so long, up until maybe about probably like seven or eight years ago. And because I thought that way, that actually stifled my career. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. That okay. stifled my career a lot. Mm. Um, Where you could have been making some ill loops, man. I yo, I could have been you on started on. them like I could have been on on like uh, remember the right Claudia Claudia Barry. Oh oh yeah, I forgot you were yeah yeah. So that record, Craig Calman told me about that record, and he wanted me to sample it for his artist that he had on Big Beat. Um, Lil Kim, right, and I was a teenager at the time, and so he told me about the record, and then I think he gave the record to me because, like, so by this by that time, like I was maybe like seventeen, like turning eighteen, there was like a little bit of buzz about me like mm-hmm. being this kid who knew about records, and oh, like he's starting to like he's making some beats that are cool, so. Um, he had given me the record. He's like, yeah, you know, I want you to take this section and loop it. And I was like, loop it. <laughs> I hit him with that. Uh, <laughs> What's I love that? this guy. I love action. Music. <laughs> he, he is amazing. Yeah, I, uh, and you know, and um, yeah, I was a kid. I was like, you know, and I felt like that was like beneath me to <laughs> to loop, to loop, and um, so so I tried to chop it up and stuff like that and it was coming out it was sounding worse and worse right. until I just never did it mm-hmm. and I never hit Craig back or whatever meanwhile that record eventually came out like like I think like four or five no like three or four hit records came out of oh, that, that one, one, record. one yeah. record a lot of bad boy yeah bad boy uh, I think Jermaine Dupri did yeah. something with it um and of course, all genres. Like I think L Cool J used it, and then like a R and B song, yeah. Jacket Edge or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, every time I heard it, and it was a hit record, I was like, ah, oh, this guy's gonna fuck me up <laughs> if he ever saw me again. Right. So yeah, so I had the Insonic ASR10 keyboard. I was well, I was working on it, and you know I was getting pretty good at making beats. So cute and uh, Q Tip, he like he was scheduled to come by, so he walks through the door and he sees. Uh, I mean, and behind him is Large Professor. And this is my first time seeing Large Professor. I'm like, yo, right. this is this is really the house of hits. That's right. You know, um, so Large just walks in and he just starts freestyling to my beat. Wow. No introduction to me or anything like that. So, and he's like naming stuff around the room, and I'm just like, and I'm just thinking to myself, Pure like, MC. Yeah, straight up. And also one of the best producers of all time. There would be no Q-tip. We wouldn't be having this conversation yeah. without Large Professor. Yeah. And without what he did with, with Main Source and all that. Or and be a rock him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't um, get credit for that. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yo, you see his 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 IG now where he does. Oh, yeah. He he definitely he found a niche for himself like with his IG. But that's we talk about it. Okay. Um, Go to Lost Professor's Instagram page. Yeah. So uh, so he starts freestyling, and you know, in his freestyle, he called me eighty eight keys, and it was in reference to like the ASR, the ASR keyboard mm. sampler. And it's funny because a lot of people think that I play keyboards, and you mm. know, for people who I who I've met, you know, once I became an actual producer and stuff, like, oh man, yo, I know you wicked on the keys, man. Mm. I was like, mm, nope. 
Right. I could sample some wicked keys. Right. Or whatever. Wasn't that a Dick Tracy villain too? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know it's funny. It's like a lot of people think I played keys because of Thieves in the Night. Mm. Thieves in the Night was that the first beat you sold? No, that that was actually the second beat okay. that I sold. What's the first beat you sold? The very first beat I sold, which is which uh, I believe is still it can still be found on iTunes, mm -hmm. uh, is um, is a remix I did for this group called uh, Network Reps. Okay. And my man. Our boy Matt Fingers. Shout out to Matt Fingers. Shout Matt out. Fingers was always good for a rap check. Yo, he, <laughs> yo, yes, <laughs> always good for a rap. Yes, check. um, yo, he, you know what? He Matt Fingers is the ultimate plug. He was the, the plug, plug before, like he, he was the polo plug. The polo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Had, had his low, mom, low connection. His mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, the polo plug, like you know, um, underground hip hop plug and mm -hmm. stuff. Like, uh, you know, I, I actually. He was the plug for for Ye, for Kanye as well. Mm. But that's a that's I, crazy. We'll, we'll get to that. Damn, Matt Fingers. <laughs> um, I, I read an interview where you said that you knew that Black Star was going was 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 really about something when me and Yasin, who was called Most Deaf back then, took a cab from Brooklyn to your parents' Rich. house in Long Island. <laughs> Rich. Rich. Oh yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> he said we was balling. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was incredible. Like that was incredible for, to wow. me. You know, uh, I think uh, I think I was 18 years old, still living. You were, you were, yeah, yeah, 18, still living in uh, my parents' house. Um, and you know, I had the studio equipment in the basement, and uh, you know, we were doing the song, uh, which became "Thieves in the Night." And I feel like it was in the winter time because it was like it was just seven o'clock, but it was I had a money black. with me. Yeah, he yeah. had his. It was like what two years old Something at the time, like that. Yeah. Yeah, so hey, Dad, good job. Yeah, daddy duties. <laughs> um, so yeah, so 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 you guys showed up in the cab, and order like automatically, my mind was blown from like y'all came from Brooklyn in a cab to Long Island. And Most stuff like, had TV money. That's what it was. I was working uh, at the bookstore. I didn't have cab money, and that's fifty dollars in an Uber right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine right. what that was in the yellow in a cab. Mm. Yeah, so um, yes, and you know, and and then when you guys <laughs> when you guys showed up, I was like, yo, what's up, Quad? What's up, Most? Who that baby? <laughs> <laughs> who that baby? <laughs> who, 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 who my sister Mary, who uh, she she lived at home at the mm -hmm. time. Um, she took care of Amani, so mm -hmm. I was like, and yeah. Then we went downstairs and um, we created a classic. That's right. Um, um, break down how you changed "Thieves in the Night" from the four bar loop to the eight bar loop because originally we just wrapped in your basement to this four bar loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, which Yasin didn't like the beat, by the way. He didn't. He didn't. He, he didn't get the vision until I, I laid it out. Yeah, because because uh, you explained to him. It's funny because all right, so 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 you laid down your verse. Yo, I'm remembering. See, I told you. This is crazy. It's crazy. It's like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Talib quality yeah. therapy for Word. real niggas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, yeah. So so you laid your verse down, and then and then you explained how. Uh, I think you were inspired by Tony. Tony Morrison. Yeah, the, my verse. Uh, the the, the bluest eye. Sort of hook of that song is taken from the last paragraph of the bluest eye by Tony Morrison. Rest in peace, mm. Tony Morrison. That's one of the best books I had ever read at, at, at that point in my life. So yeah, yeah. So so when you explained that to to Yasin, he was like, he heard it, and you know, you, you, I'm sure you're familiar with that face when he's in deep thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> And then he starts writing <laughs> and he's writing, he's writing. And then right. he lays down his verse on my four track, mm -hmm. um, my, my Fostex, Fostex four track. And, um, 
And his verse is long as hell. Mm -hmm. And so I'm automatically thinking like, all right, well, you know, when we get in the studio, uh, you know, we're going to cut his down to like a 16 or whatever. And, uh, and I remember that did not happen. Yeah, his yeah. verse is way longer than mine. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. way longer. So, so yeah, so and, and because of that, I felt like you know his verse was so long. I felt like I had to do something with the beat. So it was uh, it was a four bar beat, um, which was chopped. Which I found out like a few years ago that, uh, that that beat made it to a list of some like, you know, official. Mm -hmm. I wonder. Yeah, I don't want to say the company name. Uh, official <laughs> list. Uh. I mean, I don't know if it's competition. No, but we, I, we, we have love for all the blogs and sites and uh, everybody here. Yeah, no, so I was, I was going to say, it's like, I, I don't know if it's like a complex list. I don't or, fuck with complex. Fuck oh, man. Like, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, we're going to cut this section. Like, we're going to roll it back. We're going to roll it back. We're going to cut. Like, I don't know if uh, it's complex. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, but no, no, like, like a few years ago, I found out like the, the, uh, the Thieves and Night made a list of, uh, of samples that people can't find. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's kind of, ridiculous it's, it's cool it's, mm -hmm. it's cool but it's kind of ridiculous because like i mean even though i chopped it but i i just didn't imagine that i would make a, a beat right. that would make a list i mean you started your career working in a place where large professor and q-tip were coming to dig crate dig at that's insane so, yeah yeah so that you know now it makes sense that's insane yeah <laughs> um all right so first of all I love. Do you guys remember the game DJ Hero? Did y'all ever play that? I I'm a little old for that. Oh, yeah, I, I was. Felt, I was a little old for that. But too. I heard there was a game that people. Yeah, I felt DJ like I was a producer. Shut <laughs> oh, <laughs> I used to kill it. <laughs> but anyway, for someone that is nah, only nah, 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 made you don't beats, ask your question. See what you think? Why not? You don't want to ask a question. I'm asking my <laughs> question. <laughs> Damn it! I've only made beats in theory, but. Yeah. Uh, so can you break it down exactly? Do you make like a whole song when you're making beats for someone or do you send like certain portions of the songs out to people? Hmm. I'm glad you asked. Uh, my my methods for, you know, getting beats out to people have changed so much over the years. And, and it's changed from due to observation, due to... Uh, due to, you know, I guess failures, uh, frustration to the point where I now don't send people, I don't send beats out to people. Oh. Like, I, I actually, I stopped shopping beats, like tr the traditional sense of shopping beats back in 2010 <clears throat> because it, it just stopped making sense to me for me to, for, I mean, for several reasons, like me having to, I mean, and, and, and not to say like I'm above or that I deserve to be in, you know, a place where I don't have to audition anymore. But I felt like I didn't have to audition anymore because if you're in, like, and this is what makes sense in my head. Like, if you're interested in getting music from me, that means you've heard something that I've already done. So if you like what you've heard and I'm only getting better, mm -hmm. like, I'm, you know, like, just logic would lead me. I feel like logic should lead somebody to believe, like, if they've had a tenure this long, that you know they're doing something right, so it's like, why am I auditioning beats for you if you know what I've done in the past and you know and you like that? So I could do something like that for you, if not better. Um, so it was that, and then I started to think about stuff. Whereas, like, I remember one time, uh, Cuddy Kid Cuddy reached out to me for beats, and this is after he became, <clears throat> you know, you know the cult, you know his has had his cult following, and. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, no, nah, like he 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 FaceTimed me. Or oh, it wasn't even FaceTime, it was uh iChat, video iChat on oh. my computer. So yeah, he reached out to me 
And I was like, oh yeah, no, nah, I got you, I got you. So I sent I sent like 30 beats to him or whatever. And uh and then uh he reached out to me again, like, hey, you know, you got any more stuff? I was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. So I sent some more beats and then I never heard back from him. Wow. And then in that moment, so that's when I thought I was like, man, you know, he he didn't hear what he wanted to hear in that batch of beats, mm-hmm. which is only 30 beats. And then he didn't hear it in the, the next like 20 beats or 15 beats that I sent. So now he's looking at me like I'm the wrong guy for the job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, I'm the right guy for the job. Mm-hmm. But you just only you only heard this finite amount of beats. I have hundreds of beats mm-hmm. wow. already. And I have thousands more because I own 12,000 records. Like vinyl records, the sample from, and you know, my, my ideas are always like fresh or whatever. So that's when I decided, it's like, you know what? I'm not shopping beats anymore because I'd rather not be considered than to be considered the wrong guy because I'm never the wrong guy. That's yeah. right. You know, it's like, like I, you know, we just need to be under the same roof or, you know, I need to like figure out, we need to just figure out how we're going to like make it work. But it's going, it would work and it'll work, you know, as long as you're not afraid to not have a song that sounds like a Drake song mm-hmm. or like or anything that's popular on the radio. As long as you're not afraid of that and you trust, you actually trust your ears and you know like, oh, what we just made is actually sounds good, then we good. I'm never the wrong guy. That's never. I love that. Life. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about um, working on Black on Both Sides, which is a classic hip hop album. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you're one of the architects for that album. Yeah. Uh, you produced my favorite, one of my favorite most deaf songs of all time, Love. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I really love this song. It's a great song. No big pun intended. Yes, that's right. Um, you told a story once about <laughs> Speed Law. Oh, you get it. I got it. Oh, you got it. He's, he's quick. He's quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speed in, Law in was the, which you produced, great record. Mm. was initially the single. Yes. And oh! <laughs> <laughs> Big shouts to Jared. No, oh, let's go. Straight at Jared. Jared. Let's go. Let's go. Ask. Ask me. Ask me. Oh. I, I waited 20 years for this moment. <laughs> I waited since 99 for this moment. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah okay, so me. the story goes that Speed Law was the single for... Black of both sides. The, 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 uh, the intended single. The intended right. single. <laughs> the Source magazine used to do this thing where they reviewed singles before they came out. <laughs> yep. The story is that I'm just, wait, man. Yes, you tell they, me. No, 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 no. I, I just, okay. But they they used to have other, like people of note right. reviewed us. Okay. So it wasn't like a source writer. It okay. was like a celebrity. But go ahead, I, go ahead. I didn't know that. So who? So this uh, some celebrity reviewed Speed Law. Do you remember who it was? Uh, some. What's his name? Uh, Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> Killed my career. Do you, oh my Killed God. my career. Do you, remember, do you remember what he said? <laughs> I, yo, what did he I, say? I don't remember exact. I, I mean, I mentally blocked it out all these years. I just, <laughs> but I no, nah, but I remember he shitted on it. He, okay. de- he definitely. So now, it, was point, a, it was a little write up too, but right. you know he was Jermaine Dupree. He's so. Jermaine Dupree. Now Raucous was very strategic. Me, I, I brought this up to Jared mm. to see if he remembers this. Um, he did not. <laughs> he did not remember this. Oh, why you over there? Why you red now, Jared? <laughs> why you red now? He can't help why it. Why you red now? You making me smile. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what he did remember. Because what I said was, I said to him, I said, uh, Jared. Uh, He's like, I don't remember doing that, but it sounds like me, right? So <laughs> I was like, I was like, because I, I skipped the part. Mm. This, that speed law never came out. Miss Fat Booty came out. 
great the first single, single yeah. Great single, mm-hmm. great record. Um, one of most Def's biggest records. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was a single. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> but it makes, I didn't know the celebrity aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Ruckus was very strategic about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, it would, it makes sense that if Jermaine Dupri didn't like it, they would, they would move past that. But yeah. something that Jared said that was interesting to me is that for most Def, he wasn't looking for a hit record. He was mm-hmm. looking for something he could market. Gotcha. Right? Which mm-hmm. is, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. With me, I said, you didn't give me that same consideration. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He said, for you, I needed a hit record. I needed, <laughs> I needed a hit, definitely. Yeah. So we went in the studio, recorded uh, Reflection Eternal album, and you were there at Electric Lady, yes. which is a great creative environment uh, uh, incubator at that time. Yes. Common was working on like Water for Chocolate with Dilla, yep. who you also enjoyed a great friendship with. Yep. Rest in peace to Jay Dilla. Yes. Um, the Roots and De- uh, Amir and Pino Palladino mm-hmm. and James Poyser and then was working on a D'Angelo album, Voodoo, downstairs in the basement. <laughs> um, there's a studio that Jimi Hendrix built. Yep. Um, you were there every day. Gil Scott yeah. Heron came in and did drops. You know what I'm saying? Dave I missed Chappelle. That. Huh? I, was, I was there for a day, but I missed the, the Gil. Yeah. But here's what's interesting about the Gil Scott Heron drop. We made everybody who walked in that studio say, Talib Kweli, High Tech, Reflection Internal. At the end of the blast, you hear Gil Scott Heron. At the beginning of the blast, it's these two young ladies who cannot pronounce my name. Oh, God. And they try to. You brought these women to the studio session. Yep. Who are these women and where are they now? <laughs> All right. So these two ladies, um, Faith Costanza. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get any credit on this record. Wait, they're getting their credit now. Okay, okay. 20 years later. 20, 20 years later. Faith, yeah, Faith, Faith Costanza. Costanza. I used to call her Bully because I saw an old photo of her mm-hmm. at her at her apartment one day and she just had this mean mug. She, she's a... a uh, I hope I I hope I get this. Right. I, I believe she's Italian with uh, red hair. Beautiful uh, young woman. Well, you know we were all young back then. Um, and no uh, no 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 no. I mean I like we're, we're, we're she's she really still, trying to get me too. No 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 no. She's, no, no, she's still, no no she's still beautiful. She's still she nah, she's still a knockout. Right, of, right. You know and and uh, and Jamie. I, I never knew Jamie's last name. Um, uh, Jamie, I believe she was uh, Italian or Irish and and Korean. Not mm-hmm. that it matters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like we black. love all people here yeah, yeah. at the People's Party. But yeah, um, so I met them when I was a teenager. Uh, I want to say like uh, sixteen years old. So at sixteen years old, I was trying to bag chicks, and we're going back to the bag reference. <laughs> right. Um, That's why I felt like it was going to come up again. So yeah. I like, do people not know what bag <laughs> yeah. means? Though like, I mean, we're in twenty twenty now, so it's like kids are saying some whole other. I'm I sure. have no idea what the kids are saying. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> ha- hashtag samesies. Um, <laughs> I guess you do. <laughs> Man, I got a TikTok account. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so 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 I, I met them at the mall at Roosevelt Field Mall. Uh-huh. Hey, I used to work there. I was waiting for that. <laughs> and wrote, you know, it's not in Roosevelt. It's in Garden City. It's in Garden People City. People seem yeah. to think that it is, but it's not. Imagine if Roosevelt Field was actually in Roosevelt. People wouldn't go. People wouldn't go. <laughs> it would be shut down. I've been to Roosevelt Field Mall many times. I had no idea it wasn't in Roosevelt. I yeah, no, it's in Garden. Yeah, Garden been... City's the upper crust. It's like you yeah. know if you've been to Roosevelt. So yeah, you I, know. I, I, I've been to the mall. Yeah, I mean, just look down on the floor. You see, like, hey, you know, hey, hey, oh, hey. hey, all right. <laughs> let me take it. Let me reel it back a bit. Um, so yeah, so I met them at the mall. Uh, you know, tried to bag them up, but they were nice enough to like, you know, we, you know, yo, what's your page? What's your page number? What's your smart beep? Mm-hmm. Page number. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, 
you know, uh, they, they never gave me any play, but you know, we were all, we were good friends. I didn't get a lot of play at all. <laughs> just so you know, at, at all. But you know, it's cool. Yeah, shout, it, shout out to. Shout out. Can't stand just. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I brought him over, and then uh, they they you know. It, so it was Jamie who butchered your name. Okay. Uh, uh, which you kept on the mm-hmm. record. Uh, uh, she said, uh, uh, Talib Shakui. Shakui. No, Shakui, yeah. I can't say it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to them. Now you um, you, it's interesting because you, Lars Professor, mm. cute tip. You're in the studio with me in high tech. Mm. You develop a relationship with Dilla. You're working with the best producers of all time at this yeah. point. Um, you met Kanye working at Baseline. Yeah. yeah. Talk about meeting Kanye and how you developed such a close friendship. Because you're someone who is still around Kanye often to this day. I actually text with him this morning. Okay. Oh, man. Did you tell him he was coming here? Uh, nah, but, you know, so. No, <laughs> Bring so, him with you next time. Maybe I will. Yeah. Maybe I, well, I'll ask. Yeah. Don't just drag him. Don't just bag, put him in a bag and bag him up. Yeah, yeah. Drag him <laughs> that, 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 that's a different kind of bag. That's a different, like, ladies and gentlemen, that's a different kind of bag right there. You know, I mean, and you know, where, 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 where we are in life and stuff like, it's funny because uh, I, I could probably, you know, I could probably say that I could still do that with him. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, let's go. Right. Like, was, that's what I'm saying. That's a unique position. There's not a lot of people who are like that. Yeah, him. but at the same time, I'm considerate enough to know that about, you know, his his lifestyle and yeah. you know so I won't be like yo let's go here right, right. and plus I don't really want to go any place anymore because I'm 43 and <laughs> I don't want to go any place yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but um so yeah so uh baseline you know so baseline studios it was more commonly known as like the Rockefeller studio mm-hmm. um it was in midtown Manhattan I want to say 27th street or whatever mm-hmm. um I actually wound up getting in with Rockefeller and and, and the, the whole camp through just blaze mm-hmm. Just blaze. Just blaze. <laughs> so yeah, so so just got me in with the rock, and oh, because he was interested in the Jane Doe album that you were producing. Yeah, where's Jane Doe at? She's still in Atlanta. Yeah, I believe she's in Atlanta. Okay. Shout out to Jane Doe. Incredible MC. Yo, she was so special, and I, I I can't even say she was ahead of her time because no one to this day no one rocks like her. That's right. And like like and not just her pen game, but I don't know like. So so when you all uh, worked or whatever, did, did you ever see her record or how she listens to music? I she recorded one one verse. I, I saw her record. Oh yeah, she, that's right. She she came in and did the verse over. Yeah. So I remember I was there the first time. I wasn't there the second time. Yo, and I don't like. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure people noticed, but they probably didn't like internalize or whatever. But her her internal clock is ridiculous. Mm. So when the beat is like this and everyone's going like this, she's rocking like this. Mm. But her timing on her words is just like, you, you know, she, and I think, I feel like, you know, because of her internal clock, like, she just sound very special yeah. on these on these songs. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I wound up producing the majority of her, what would have been her her debut album. Mm-hmm. And it was fire. Like, like I, actually, I have it. Mm. So I'd like to hear it? that one day. Oh, yeah. Maybe you'll hear it to this, today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so just, just had a track on there and uh, Havoc had a track on there. And uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, so that was my connection. That was my end with the, with the Rockefeller. So um, once I did um, watch it, bitches, Beanie Siegel by Beanie Siegel. Yeah. yeah, oh, I got a little story to tell about that. Okay, so I made the beat. I chopped up uh, the uh, sample was from uh, this group called uh, Guilt. Uh, no, Hot. 
was the name of the uh, group. And the song was called Guilty. So, you know, when I knew that I was going to go see, you know, Rockefeller, I was like, yo, I'm trying to make my hardest beats and stuff like that, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And that beat came out. Like, that was like the hardest beat I ever made in my life, probably, mm -hmm. at the time. So, uh, I went, I went to shop beats mm -hmm. at Def Jam back when Def Jam was on 50th, whatever. <clears throat> um, you know, passed out some CDs or whatever. No, I, I, I left a CD over there, mm -hmm. and then I had one more CD on me. And so, as I'm walking out of Def Jam, Jay Z's walking in. Wow! And this is the this is my second encounter with him. But ten years went by between my mm -hmm. like the first time I saw him uh, in the studio, or whatever. And he was, of course, he wasn't like Jay Z mm -hmm. back then. I mean, he was. Jay Z, but he wasn't. He was Hawaiian Sophie, right? Jason. Hawaiian Sophie, the nigga on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So so I so I stepped to him, and you know he's walking in the building. I was like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, I said, "I'm a producer." I said, "We actually met like years ago." He said, "Oh, cool, cool." And he had like a very small entourage with him, mm -hmm. whatever. I said, "Yo, um, this is CD. I got some beats on here. If you know you want to check them out, I have my my number on it and stuff like that." He goes. So he, so I put the C, I put the CD in his hand. He looks at it. He goes, "Oh, now just send this to my office." And 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 he gives it back to me. I said, "All right, cool." And then he walks in. I was like, "Wait a minute, where's his office?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what. And at that he moment, he pulled the Jedi mind trick. Yeah. yeah. And then that moment, this is not the droid you're looking for. <laughs> I am not the Jay Z that you. Yo, yes, yeah, straight up. And, and another and, Star Wars reference. Yeah, and and, and I, I realized that yo, he just played me. <laughs> I, I just got played by Jay Z, um, right. you know. So it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah. So, but 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 oddly enough, I was you know I found out uh, that's the same day I was I was almost I was on my way to baseline. Mm -hmm. So that night, I go to baseline. So I, I had the CD on me. Um, I play the CD. Uh, you know, people like you know they, everyone's fucking with the beats on there. Like you know, Young Guru's there mm -hmm. and everything. Shout out to Young Guru. Yeah, shout shout out to Young Guru. Very integral part of many stories up yeah. here at People's Party. Oh, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then uh, so Beans, like in like in the middle of me playing my beat CD, Beans walks in with Philadelphia. Like it was like a good twelve, like a dozen like all people. Of, all of Philadelphia, all of Philadelphia, <laughs> like South Street, just mm -hmm. just walked in the door. <laughs> so you know, he's like, "Yo, bring it back, bring it back." So we playing this stuff. And we're playing the song. I mean, we're, we're, we're playing my beat CD again. And then he hears that beat, you know, and everyone is like, he sh shuts it down. Like, everyone's, yo, this is crazy, this is crazy. Then he just starts freestyling. Or I, I, I could have swore it was like um, that he had a rhyme, mm -hmm. and but he's like going off the top. And mm -hmm. I was like, yo, this is crazy. And uh, Google's like, yeah, he's freestyling. So he's like, yo, you go in the booth and start recording. He's like, yo. Goes in the booth. He records the whole song. Like, almost, wow. I, I feel like, I mean, it was just a couple of takes. He mm. records the whole song. And I'm thinking, and his song is about, like, you know, B-I-T-C-H's and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I'm thinking, well, I made this song to, like, kind of, like, you know, you're guilty and, you know, drug deal going wrong and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about, like. So I'm totally different. Yeah, totally yeah. different. But I was like, hey, they like it. It's cool with me. It's whatever, whatever. So later on, uh, Jay comes in. And I just, same day that I put, mm -hmm. so he, he sees me in there, he hears the song and he's like, yo, who did this? And, you know, they point to me mm -hmm. and he looks at me and he goes, yo, come here for a second. Uh -huh. <laughs> so he, he talks to me. He, so he puts his arm around me mm -hmm. and he walks me out the room. Then he puts me in a headlock. He's like, yo, well, he's like, man, yo, why didn't you get that to me? <laughs> Jay was trying to bully the beat out of you. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, and I told him, I looked, I looked at him and I said, yo, 
I put the CD in your hand. Right. <laughs> in your hand. In, like literally in your hand. Right. And then he's like, I, you know, he, he kind of chuckled and kind of walked away. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I just want to commend you for spelling out, bitch. Like that was just like made me feel. Oh, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't use know. that word. I should have done the same thing, but whatever. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like, no, to, 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 you know, to each their own and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't use that word. I don't say the P word and mm. I don't say the N word anymore. The P-U-S? Yeah, P-U-S. Oh. Yeah. How woke and intersectional of you. <laughs> Good job, I mean, 88 Keys. You know, it just uh, it just never... You know what? I, I was never the, the, the dude who participated in locker room talk. Right, mm-hmm. but you don't drink or smoke or any yeah. of that as wow. well. Like you're yeah. Good, clean, and wholesome. Yeah. You know, I except mean, for a couple of vices. Yeah, I got my vices. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, but oh. yeah, Kanye. Oh, so back to so Kanye. So he was at Baseline. Yeah, he's, 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 so he's at Baseline um, one day. Um, and for some reason, like baseline was closing, it was shutting down a little early. I guess uh, I don't know. People probably had events mm-hmm. to go to or whatever. And it was like around eight ish or so. And I meet him, and you know, uh, I told him who I was. Like we introduced ourselves. And I told him he knew was. your work though, right? He yeah. No, he like when I told him who I was, yeah. he was like, Oh, oh you're eighty keys. Like no, he's like, Oh, yeah. That's what your name represented for that type of underground hip hop that Kanye was trying to break into at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, you know, and then he was telling me how, you know, and for a long time, I always thought, like, I, I guess I remembered our conversation, like, slightly wrong, because I always thought he said that, like, pardon me, that um, Black on Both Sides was his favorite album, mm-hmm. but it was actually one of his close friends at the time, okay. um, uh, Sakaya. Mm-hmm. It was, like, his child, you know, his uh, childhood friend. It was his best album. His, I mean, his favorite mm-hmm. album. So he, so he's like, yeah, you know, um, that he was telling me like stuff that he made, and and he had he had stuff to his credit, Beanie Siegel stuff, <clears throat> J, uh, Jermaine Dupri stuff, yeah, uh, but D-Dot, Angeletti, yeah, but but the so so the Beanie Siegel thing is is when we is where we stopped, but you know so he's naming like he's like yo Foxy Brown so mm-hmm. and so he's naming stuff from artists that I was familiar with, but I was part of I was part of like that backpack divide. So even though I knew who Foxy Brown was, and sh- you know, and you didn't of course, know album cuts. I didn't know the album cuts because yeah. I was never into Foxy Brown like that. Like, like she could spit, right? But you know, she's flossy, right? Right. She That's commercial. not what you were doing, right? Yeah. So like, nah, you know, um, I'm, you know, I, I don't listen to raucous records. Mm-hmm. Shots. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, so 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 he's naming these artists of, you know, and he's naming artists that you know I didn't, I never heard their full albums, and you know. But then I, I told him, I said, but I said, yo, your, your name sounds familiar. And I said, you know, I told him, I said, I always thought your name was like Cayenne. <laughs> um, so, so, so then when he mentioned Beanie Siegel, the truth, mm-hmm. which is like, my, that's the first beat I heard from him. That's the one that made me be like, I need some of them beats. Oh, see, yeah. so, so, Beanie so he, Siegel, the truth. Yeah. So he named everybody else. And then, he, then when he said, then when he said that, I was like, yo, I said, you did that? He's that's like, right. yeah. And I was like, yo, that's that song. I said, yo, that song and Stop Chill, which, um, uh, Rockwilder did. I said, mm-hmm. those are my two favorite songs on the album. And he goes, yeah, that's me. And then he goes, um, I said, oh, you know, you know, dapping him, dapping him up, like, giving him his props and stuff. He goes, yeah, you know, but I'm, I'm finna be a star. <laughs> I was like, I said, what? Right, well, what? Yeah. And he's like, yo, I'm, I'm finna be a star. <laughs> and I just looked at him. I looked at him and I just blinked. I was like, like no, this smile, eight, no, smile. <laughs> And, and and by so by the second time he said that and my reaction because like I literally didn't know what he was talking about mm-hmm. what he said and then he goes I'm going to be a star like mm-hmm. that I said oh I said why he said oh because I rap too mm-hmm. I said all right cool I said yo let me hear something 
So, you know, he says his rap, and the rap was kind of cool. But, you know, it, I mean, it, it, was, it was cool, but it was like regular. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, he got punchlines here and there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that time, I had like three raps in my catalog because right. I was never trying to be a rapper back then. But, you know, just the, the fair exchange. And then he just kept going. I was like, oh, okay. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, you can rap, you know, give him his props. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that, um, at that moment, like, I didn't have any reason to doubt that he was going to be a star. Right. But so I'm thinking, like, yeah, yeah, he's going to, you know, He'll probably get a record deal, mm-hmm. you know. He probably make some noise or whatever. Hopefully, I get some beats on there, or whatever. But he 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 saw it all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, studio was shutting down, and we're all going home at the time. You know, I lived in Newark, New Jersey. That's mm-hmm. where I went when I got kicked out of my home mm-hmm. uh, from Long Island. So I to lived Newark? in Newark. Yeah, yeah Newark is where artists go when they get in the music industry, and you get enough success where you have name recognition, but you're not successful enough to live in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to go to Newark. But yeah. Newark is like it's not the nicest place to live. Like, yeah, I, could I be mean, up, but, but for you know, seven hundred dollars for a spacious two bedroom, yeah, man. floor. Shout out to Do It All. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for real, he's like ran for city council in Newark. Right. You know, shout out to Mayor Ras Baraka, who's the homie, the mayor of Newark. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Cory Booker. Try to Cory Booker. That's right. That's the, only, that's the only one I know. Right? Cory Booker. Yeah. Cory Booker beat Ras Baraka, mm. became the mayor, then then. Became a senator, and when he became a senator, Ras Baraka became the mayor. Oh, okay. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, we're in 20, I believe it was again, 27th Street and like 7th Avenue. So, like, I'm walking, so, you know, we're walking together. We walk out together, we take the elevator, and, you know, we're chopping it up or whatever. And so, we're walking, and I'm going towards uh, Penn Station to get mm-hmm. home. And, you know, and he's walking with me. And uh, so, I'm thinking, like, you know, and I don't want like he wasn't like talking my ear off mm-hmm. or whatever, but but you know he's asking me these questions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you know, then we I walk into Penn Station and I'm walking downstairs and he's like kind of follow, I'm thinking he's following me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so but I'm thinking like yo he probably lives in Queens or in Brooklyn mm-hmm. or whatever. So he's gonna take the A or you know whatever. So so we walk down and then we walk up. Yeah, I'm walking up towards uh, the the uh, the New Jersey Transit, mm-hmm. and he's following me. Still, and, and and by that time, I was like, "All right, you got to go this way because right. like the E, the E and C right, is right there, right. and then you go that little path to get to the A." Right. And so I'm thinking, so by this time, I'm like, "Yo, is he following me?" And uh, I was like, "Yo, um, where you going? Where you going? I know where I'm going." <laughs> but in, in my mind, the question really came out like, "Yo, where do you think you going?" Yeah, right, right, right. Um, you know, so I, I said, "Where where you going?" He goes, "Uh." Uh, I live in Newark. I said, oh, that's crazy. I said, I live in Newark too. And he said, oh, where? Like, like, I just moved in and stuff like that. Yeah, so I remember I that like, crib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the Renaissance was always on, on the couch. Which came, like, I introduced them. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, by that time I was going over there, it was always consequence on the couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so he was, and and in all honesty, like, like I, I was, I was like, yo, that's cool that you live there, but he was hyped about it. Mm-hmm. So he was hyped that we both lived in Newark. And then he was like, "Yo, man, yo, yo, we should, we should uh, link up. We should, you know, we should hang out." I said, like, oh, "Yeah, cool. I mean, he was in, he was, he had come to New York to make his name in the business, mm-hmm. like in Newark. That probably to know that he's living in the same city as Eighty Eight Keys, have access to you, mm-hmm. yeah. pro- probably a beautiful thing for him." Yeah, and it, it actually it became a beautiful thing, and and I mean, but I didn't see this coming. So, um, so I said, like, "Yeah, you know, you know, come to my, come to my, my spot or whatever." And uh, you know, come through like around you know tw- at noon or whatever, whatever, and you know we hang out and you know whatever. So, <clears throat> Ye came over like around like noon or one, and I'm thinking like we're gonna do the whole like producer thing. Mm-hmm. So I showed him my studio, 
you know, uh, welcoming him in, showing my studio, you know, I play some beats and stuff. Like, he going, you know, he's rapping and stuff. Like, we do that. And then, um, you know, so he goes into my living room and he sees my DVD collection, mm-hmm. which used to be a thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got that, I got that, I got that. And, you know, he's talk- we talking about movies and stuff. And then he sees my PlayStation and then we start playing PlayStation. So I'm thinking, like, we just going to hang out for, like, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he showed up, like, around noon or one. He didn't leave till, like, two in the morning. Wow. And but the whole time, like, he, like just interacting with him was so fun. And yo, this dude is hilarious. So at the end of the, at the end, but the end of the night, he's like, "Yo, you should come to to my spot, and you know, check my stuff out." I was like, all right, cool. Went to his spot the next day. Same thing happens, mm-hmm. and I'm there all day. Mm-hmm. So from those two days to about like, I want to say, damn near till his album came out. So like. Like so, like for four years straight, we're with each other, probably like five to eight hours a day, wow. five days a week, for four years straight. Mm-hmm. Like going on missions, trying you know bag chicks. Today. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bagging, a lot of bagging of the chicks. A lot of bagging, <laughs> a lot of bagging of the chicks. No, 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 a lot of attempts of bagging of the chicks. A lot of attempts. Um, yeah. So, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so so we we became best friends, but you know back then, like you know, we wouldn't say, "Oh, this is my best friend." Like, mm-hmm. but um, so uh, I want to say like a month went by of us, like the first month, you know, uh, he tells me that his mom's coming through, is uh, paying him a visit, mm-hmm. and you know, rest in peace, Don West, rest in peace, um, and uh, you know that I should come by and meet her. I was like, "All right, cool, yeah, I meet your mom and stuff." So came through. And you know, um, met her, met his mother, and you know she was very like warm and welcoming and stuff like that. And then, then when I found out she was a doctor, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm impressed. And so, right. So he was raised to be impressed by the mm-hmm. doctors. Exactly. He was raised <laughs> to be a doctor. Right. Exactly. And that didn't work out. Um, so so that afternoon, uh, meeting his mom, and you know, Ye went into his room. I think he was starting to work on some music or whatever. So she sat me down at the table, and she's like. You know, she looked me dead in my eye and she tells me how appreciative of me. And she said, she said, I speak to Kanye every day, Mm -hmm. every night. And he always talks about you. He talks about this friend that he made out here in New York. You know, I mean, we were in in Newark and stuff. um, That he made this this real friend in New York and that you really look out for him and you really try to take care of him and stuff like that. And she said, I want you to know that, you know, I appreciate you for that. And you're family now. That's beautiful. And uh, and yeah and, and and I've never I, I didn't I never had a conversation like that with my mother, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't even know how to. So I was I mean by by this time I was an adult I was well, twenty mm-hmm. or whatever and uh, I was like oh thanks and you know but I didn't like I I, I knew what it was but yeah. I didn't really fully internalize it yeah you know because I'm just like yo that's yay right mm-hmm. you know um that friendship led to you know some great music notably uh, no church in a while. Oh yeah, yeah, which yeah. is one of Kanye's and Jay Z's greatest songs. Congratulations yeah. on that song, by the way. Oh man, appreciate it. Um, yeah. Kanye, not to get too much into the politic, because I know that Kanye has to be responsible for his own statements and mm-hmm. wild, controversial stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but speak to me as someone who's his friend, who has to, who, who has made the choice to, as his friend, stick by him mm-hmm. when a lot of people just won't because of the things he says that they feel like are harmful to black communities or oh. to marginalized <clears throat> communities. Yeah, um, I, I feel it's because people really don't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they don't know where his heart is. Mm-hmm. Or, or they, they seem to not... 
they seem to not be able to look into his heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know, because, you know, as, as much as people say he's changed and stuff like that, he's actually been the same dude since day one, mm-hmm. with the exception of his newfound or his strengthened faith. Because mm-hmm. he's always been a Christian and stuff, but now he just... Yeah, he's, he's taking it from a different. He's giving us a fresh perspective. Yeah, on his version of Christianity. Yeah, it's the but, way but, that I will say it. Yeah, but but he he's been the same dude since day one, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just having, you know, us having conversations, and you know him having conversations with and you know person who's interviewing him is a completely mm-hmm. different. It's it's different yet it's the same. Like he has the same passion and ideas, but you know I feel like I feel like uh, just under the gun mm-hmm. um you know he thinks extremely fast and he thinks extremely forward mm-hmm. and i think you know it's uh challenging sometimes for both sides involved to know mm-hmm. what he's what he's looking to say and what he's actually like hearing what he's actually saying and then trying to decipher it from a person who one is coming in, is looking at him already with a perspective that's not favorable. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and also the way, you know, when they're viewing him, they're viewing him as money and this lifestyle, mm-hmm. this, you know, that he's earned himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't know his actual, I feel like his actual intentions mm-hmm. are, um, are kind of like left. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, something I've said on this show before, something I've heard on the internet, when it comes to oppression, intentions don't matter. Only results do. Yeah. Um, but when you have a respect for someone, you consider their, their intentions. When you have mm-hmm. a relationship, you yeah. consider it. And I think that's why I think it's fair for people to have the criticisms that they have of Kanye mm-hmm. to not give a fuck about his intentions. Yeah. Because... Me personally, as someone who has the same amount of love for him as, as you have, like we, we we knew him at the same, met him at the same time. So I love the brother to death. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I agree with you about his intentions. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you're talking about marginalized people, we can't count that, mm-hmm. you know. But I think you and me can count that, yeah. which is why I'm not. I'll, I'll never be like fuck Kanye ever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I understand. But for marginalized people who his comments can sometimes harm, I get why people be like whether his intentions are good or not. That doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then also also uh, and I, and just in this moment, I just thought about this, uh, taking into consideration that you know people who know him and people who have access to him, they have they're able to continue dialogue. So the dialogue yeah. is continuous. It's back and forth as opposed to just yeah. So as opposed to like okay, uh, you're like we could schedule or you know you can have Kanye sit down with you at this moment mm-hmm. for an hour and then. He, He's out, and then now his words are left there, mm-hmm. and you don't know about his growth, right. and that you know maybe you know so maybe some of the things that he said would be retracted if you could get those if you could hear him say. Right. It. But when you are, when you have something in the media, they're not giving you the chance to do that because that's not going to be the big story. That's not going to be what's interesting right. to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. He has a great power, powerful platform that he worked hard to earn to get. I mean, but but even even that, uh, you know, like even outside of it being clickbait, it's just the the logistics of it that you can't talk to him every single day mm-hmm. or or you know or or even even if you do like you know it's it's like uh it's like updating software mm, that's if, an interesting analogy yeah it's like yeah. updating software and he's like 
He's this Kanye 5.0. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, then there's 100%. people trying to just hate on him too. Like, oh, that's not that's not. I mean, gospel. I do think that's not this. I and do I'm think like, there there just valid criticism there. I do mm-hmm. think there's valid when you're when you're dealing with spirituality, mm-hmm. and you're 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 linking up with people like Joel Osteen mm-hmm. and certain other people. There's things that he's doing that go into the space of that is a valid criticism that maybe you don't understand the forces that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I, like what Eight was saying, I believe that Kanye has the best of intentions in the whole world, but you gotta be careful when you're that powerful. Mm-hmm. When Kanye says I'm an icon and I'm a genius and everybody should be paying attention to me, mm-hmm. and every, he's right, mm-hmm. he's right. Yeah. But being that you're right about that, then you got to weigh your words and understand the power of what you're saying. Mm. You know, understand that when you say that I'm going to now, you know, do don't don't call me secular. That's a powerful statement. When you when you take your powerful, your your who you are, stand next to Candace Owens, stand next to Donald Trump, stand next to, you know, uh, uh, Joe Osteen. That opens you up for for valid criticism. People be like, you're not really understanding the power of what you're doing. I feel like I, I feel like uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm no strategist, mm-hmm. and you know, I haven't had these conversations with him or something. Mm-hmm. Like, but me knowing him and knowing his intentions, I feel like it could be, if I had to, if I had to like really look at it from from what I feel for myself as a logistical mm-hmm. standpoint, is like he's kind of. Uh, using these people as a conduit, as a megaphone mm-hmm. to, you know, get his actual message out. So it's like, you know, I mean, and not trolling, mm-hmm. but I guess whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to stand next to the person who's the most viewed person on Yeah, I, I think he's trying to be strategic and I think that he's used to winning. Yeah. And so far his, his strategy, he's been forward thinking and strategy has always paid off. Mm-hmm. And I think that whether or not this is going to pay off, it seems like it's not in certain ways. Yeah. But I think that that's what the new part about it is. He's not used to doing things that didn't quite work out. Yeah. And it's the first time with the Trump and the Candace Owens thing. But at the same time, you know, him looking to be a rapper and be, that didn't work out either. No, I think initially. it did though. No, it, it, yeah. eventually but that's, that's what I think. This, I think that's what it is. So many times in his life, mm. people have told him no. Yeah. I told him you were wrong. And they were wrong, yeah. and it worked out. Yeah. So I think that's where he's at with this. Yeah. Mm. At, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 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 I would say with that with that being said, it's like give him time to yeah f- fall, fail, make his mistakes, learn from them, and then become the superpower that you're 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 a great friend because that's what you're supposed to do, and you're supposed yeah. to push your friends to be great mm-hmm. and greater. And when and when they go in through these moments, these valleys, and these peaks, yeah. you're supposed to hold them down no matter what. Yeah, you don't yeah. Leave them. and you know, and you know, but like, keep it real with them and be honest with them. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, and it's funny because the 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 first the first time where um, he actually asked me how I felt about something that was that became a public mm-hmm. you know spectacle or whatever was the MTV thing with mm-hmm. the, Taylor. The, the Taylor Swift thing yeah because I went uh, to his house that night <laughs> yeah 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 I, yeah I wasn't yeah, I didn't moment. go there that night yeah. um so when he asked me about it and just the tone in his voice when he asked he's like so so what do you think about because mm-hmm. he respected your view yeah and, and and that's that's when I that's when I knew like he views me differently from yeah. a lot of other people. Now he, I'll give it to him straight as well. That's right. He executive produced Death of Adam, which is your yeah, solo yeah, yeah. album. Um, I read an interview where some the interviewer asked you, what is the album about? And you said, this album's about vagina. A woman's vagina. I thought that was obvious. That's what you yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, you know, so... Um, <laughs> you and Kanye bagging chicks. Yeah, you know. It's about bagging vagina. No, nah, but th- th- to be honest, like, in all honesty, my, my intention of that album, mm-hmm. like, I was trying to... I was, like, with me giving that as my response, like, like in a nutshell, mm-hmm. 
that's on, on very topical. That's what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also trying to be, uh, excuse me, um, I don't know if, it, if it, elusive is the right word that I'm looking for, but I was, you know, just trying to like reel people in, like, right. hey, find out what, find out for yourself. I'm selling vagina, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> vagina for sale. Selling vagina. It sells itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even have to say nothing. I just be like, vagina. Vagina. <laughs> Buy it. Sale. You know what it is. Exactly. You know, the, the oldest profession. <laughs> um, okay. That's, the- <laughs> that's a good strategy, Joe. Like, what? So, what's your album about? You, do you like pussy? Yeah, vagina time. I'm sorry, being facetious. Yeah, no. So, so, but but my my actual intention for the album was um, so I I so I got married uh, at in 2006. Then uh, you know um, had our first my my daughter uh, shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. Um, Living in Harlem at the time and walking around with uh, my wife. Well, my my then wife mm-hmm. and um shout out to Krista. Shout out to Krista. Yeah, she's a uh, awesome woman. Great woman. Uh extremely smart. Mm-hmm. Graduated Great NYU Magnum Kula, uh, Summa Cum Laude. She be killing it on Instagram. Yeah, yes, she does. <laughs> she does. You know, self-taught photographer and mm-hmm. self uh, mother of my children. Uh you know, we had 12 great years. Um, I thought you were about to say 12 great children. I was like, Yeesh. Oh, I, man. I, yeah. It's a powerful vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you made this down. <laughs> no, no, but but you know, so 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 in, in in all honesty, so um, you know, just just walking through uh walking through Harlem mm-hmm. and ha- you know, having our baby in the stroller and stuff and people noticing our baby and you know, just like you know, we got a lot of attention from Chloe. Uh, you know, just oh, she's beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like you guys are so lucky. Da da da. Um, my, my wife, she's uh, uh, my my uh, the mother of my children. She's uh, white, and you know, we have a mixed race baby. Mm-hmm. You know, black and white. That's um, mixed race. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know African American. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. We need the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know um. So we would, we would all often get uh, compliments on how beautiful our child is, and then the second thing was like they would notice our wedding bands, mm-hmm. um, which I'm no longer wearing. Um, uh, you know, they would notice our wedding bands and be like, oh wait, you guys are married. Mm-hmm. And I just found it so bizarre that mm. people would like it was normal for us to have a baby, but not be married, but not be married. Right. And I was like, oh, that has to be addressed. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just in the community that, you know, of, you know, my, my community, which is like, I see is like hip hop community or, you know, so, so to be honest, I was trying to, in my tongue in cheek way, I was trying to promote marriage or just, okay. you know, fathers, you know, if, you know, to trying to encourage relationships that's going to be uh, a union, you know, the, mm-hmm. the more traditional union. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if it, if it works out for people and, right. you know, or, and, or be careful, you know, well, I shouldn't say be careful, but choose your mate wisely. wisely. That's a word. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so that's what I was, that's, that's the tale that's being told in my album, like right. uh, tongue in cheek. And that's what I was really trying to promote and trying to push. But I was trying to do it in a way it's like, oh, this album's about vagina. Like, right. hey. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. He was like, this album's about vagina, so get married? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to marry vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I noticed uh, that you have on all polo, as yes. usual. You've Pretty been wearing usual. all polo head to toe. Rooted to the Tudor, underwear, socks, everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, you want to see? 
No, I don't. No, no. Um, well, he's trying for... to get in trouble here. <laughs> Steve Faramucci works with us. He's fascinated by this. Yeah. And it's funny. It's, it's, to me, it's funny that he's fascinated by it. Yeah. Because I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn. I remember I went to uh, some sort of uh, outlet mall in Pennsylvania. You drive to get the clothes before school. You get the, the outlet one? malls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying right? to remember which mall. I, I don't remember which one yeah. it was. I got a polo goose with oh. the ski man shit, right? Mm-hmm. I got to so Brooklyn. I had this shit for a month. Before somebody punched me in my face and tried to take it from me. Oh. Now, wearing polo was dangerous in Brooklyn mm. because it was a status symbol. The low lives came out of that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Vic Lowe, a.k.a. Yep. Thurston the Howell, the who recently was a model in the polo app. You know what I'm saying? Make some noise for Thurston Howell. Yes. Because these, coming. they kicked in the door. They used to L- run in no, the polo literally. mansion and literally. kick in the fucking yeah, door. In the door. You know what I'm saying? And steal all the polo out the store. Macy's polo mansion, Bloomingdale's. No. Wait, is to steal it or oh, buy they it? Steal yeah, it. Oh, yeah, it's called boosting. I heard I heard that they invented those tags because of them. That's, like, a, that's absolutely the, correct. Oh, wow. But so I, I say this to say that wearing polo was some gangster street Brooklyn shit. Yeah. You weren't living that lifestyle. Absolutely not. So at what point in your life did you decide to just dress like a low life for the rest of your life? <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel, well, all right, so, mm-hmm. all right, and, and so in 10th grade, when, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I moved to Long Island, I want to say either 90 or 91. Um, I, I made, I got really good grades. Mm-hmm. So every time I, you know, got good grades, my brother uh, would, you know, splurge on me on, on, on clothes, uh, mm-hmm. for school clothes. What? So. Yeah. We got nothing for good grades. Oh no, yeah, my my brother, like my brother, he's actually a doctor, like with an extremely successful practice, and his wife's a doctor. They got monies. Um, <laughs> yeah, my my, brother, my brother's yeah. a lawyer. Shout out to brothers who do better than you. Yeah, when you're an artist. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Social worker and a stripper. <laughs> like, At the same time? <laughs> she, okay, she's a social worker. Oh, she does pole sense. dancing. That she doesn't really strip. Sure. She doesn't really strip. She's a pole dancer and she's a social worker. She keeps her clothes on. Yeah, okay. I mean, it still makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, because they're doing social work. <laughs> social work. And social media and yeah. the IG models. Networking. Yeah. Shout um, out to you. Sorry. Love you. So, uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses or trying to be cool and mm-hmm. stuff like that in, um, in 90 or 91 or whatever um, you know I used to, I went to Roosevelt Field Mall like you know so when you first walk in and you go to the men's section there was Gant and all mm-hmm. that stuff so like I ain't doing Izod and Gant like mm-hmm. Chaps <laughs> fuck out of here Chaps yeah shout out to Chaps nah. um, and then uh, uh, Nautica was right here um, Guess I never did any of the guest tops I used to buy the Urban Cut Chaps you know what Chaps stands for right nah could have had a polo shirt. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I thought you made a chap chap. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I wait. That. I remember that. Shout out to DJ Chaps from Long Island. Yep. Hey, yeah. Strong Island. Yep. So, yeah, so so I, I would buy, I would buy, like, you know, I would make these pit stops at, you know, uh, Nordica. And uh, I think Hill Figure was just coming out at the time, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I guess I always bought the guess, uh, the urban cut jeans or whatever, because, like, tapered wasn't a thing that was mm-hmm. cool back then. And then the last stop was uh, Ralph Lauren, uh, mm-hmm. the Ralph Lauren store. And then, so in all the other pit stops I made, I would spend like, you know, maybe like 10 minutes trying to find something that I liked. Mm-hmm. And I would just buy it, you know, because, uh, you know, like I would eventually find something that, that, that looked okay. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got to the Ralph Lauren store, I liked everything in there. Yeah. And so it took, it took my dumb ass like about a month or two to realize like, oh, why don't I just like, 
bypass all the other stores and mm-hmm. go straight to mm-hmm. the Ralph Lauren store because then I have more money to buy more Ralph. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then I started doing that. But, you know, the pants, you know, again, tapered. Not mm-hmm. doing that in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so my bottoms will always be guest urban cut jeans. Right. Those jeans t- was, just, was the ones. Yeah. And then, you know, I couldn't afford the Jabos. Mm-hmm. Um, Jabos was, yeah, you had to go to the village. You had to, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Jabos with the snaps at the bottom. I never had the bows. Yeah. So, I never yeah. had polo or I don't wear name brands. Crickets. <laughs> um, Same old low sweater. Yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> as I was saying, as I was saying, loser. <laughs> she can't sit with us. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was Did you wearing, see the Ralph Lauren doc on HBO? I still haven't seen it. You like, got to see it. That four people have told me. Thursday like, Howard the Third is in it. Oh, all right, I'm going to see it uh, when I get back to it. Yeah. It's a great story. So yeah. Uh, so I always wear the, the guest jeans. Mm-hmm. Tim's and Nike's, mm-hmm. and then everything else was polo. So that was between 1990 or 91 up until 2006. Mm-hmm. So 2006, um, fresh off the plane from uh, the late great Dillard's funeral, mm-hmm. um, my man, oh, our boy, superstar Dave Dar. Shout out to Dave Dar, living his best life in Tampa, Florida. Yep, yep. Those who know, know. <laughs> Those who don't know, don't go to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't go to Tampa. <laughs> don't go to Florida. Period. Yeah. So, 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 Dave Dar hits me up, um, like right before I catch my flight, uh, coming back to New York, and he goes, "Yo, uh, they're, 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 doing, they're doing a, a polo uh, photo shoot, mm-hmm. and I thought about you, and uh, and it was those dudes of uh, vintage gear addicts." Mm-hmm. And he said, yo, I want to hook you up with my boy, uh, uh, Rich Boogie, who's mm-hmm. a producer. And he reminds me of you. Like, y'all both make beats. Y'all both collect mm-hmm. records. Shout out to Rich Boogie, good dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, authentic. Authentic, and, but, yeah. now, but now, no, you know he changed his name again. It's like, I think Mono and Stereo or something like that. Which is a fly name. Yeah. But I, he's authentic to me. Shout out to Rich Boogie. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Richard Morinline. <laughs> um, so so he wanted us to hook up and he's like, yo, he, he collects polo just like you, whatever. So I was like, all right, cool, yeah, I'll hook up with him and stuff. And so I go to this, uh, and I get my boy, one of my best friends from Long Island, Des, uh, from Long Island, who's also a low head or whatever. So, you know, we, you know, we gear up, uh, go to the shoot, and I see a sea of people, you know, of all the low heads and stuff. Right. And I've never been to any of these shoots. Like I've seen vintage gear acts like back when they had their um the website and stuff and I seen all the the polo stuff, but it's I've never been in it. Mm-hmm. And just seeing all of these people, I'm like, yo, this is like it made me emotional because I it brought me back to like high school. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this time it's, we're now we're talking 2006. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing all these pieces like like some of the pieces I had, I sold. And I love whatever. how he's getting emotional over these old, over old pieces. It's yeah. some real New York shit. shit. Nah, straight up. <laughs> um, so yeah, so 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 the, you know, uh, what everyone, what a lot of people were saying, like, man, yo, Ralph needs to go back to doing this. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't made a collection since '94, mm-hmm. and you know, and that was like the you know the common myth, mm-hmm. and you know of which I believed as well. I was like, yeah, you know, like why hasn't Ralph mm-hmm. made a collection since '94? So there, so and again, so we're in 2006, and that's that began my web of mm-hmm. you know just me going down the rabbit hole. And although I've always worn, I've always had a polo piece on, like mm-hmm. or a polo or like my outerwear mm-hmm. and you know uh, my hat and sweater, shirt, but my bottoms were always like. Well, by this time I upgraded to diesel jeans, 
Shout out to Kanye. I used to sell diesel jeans. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then, and then, <laughs> then he upgraded me again to uh, Ernest Stone's. Ernest Stone jeans. I remember yeah. that era. That was hot for like a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, my Tim's and my Nikes. The, my, my first thing, my first thought was like, yo, I want I want to get all of this gear that, you know, all these low heads are going crazy for. Mm-hmm. You know, so eBay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going on eBay, getting sniped at the last second mm-hmm. on, you know, um, you know, uh, on these old pieces. So I was like, all right, well, obviously I can't buy all of these old pieces. So let me just focus on one collection. Like, mm-hmm. uh, let me just do the P-Wing. So I was gra- I was getting some P-Wings things here and there and here and there. But it's so intricate. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, it, was a, it was a thing. Yeah, it's a whole culture. Yeah. So so when when I realized, like, yo, I can't, you know, get all of P-Wing because it just doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. And I'm thinking like, man, why? Now I'm getting frustrated. Like, yo, why did Ralph stop making collections? So long story short, I started to go, you know, me being a music producer, like, you know, I had all the time in the world, <laughs> you know, um, uh, when I didn't have to, excuse me, take care of my daughter, uh, yeah, watch my daughter and stuff. Like I would just go to Macy's, go mm-hmm. to Macy's, go to Bloomingdale's, go to uh, the route, to the mansion. And I would just be there and just observe and, you know, just look at the gear. So long story short, I went to Macy's one day and I noticed that they're like the the polos and the, the polo shirts and the cable knit sweaters and then the chino pants and all that stuff. Like those, you know, in all sorts of colors, those are lined up on the outskirts of this display. Mm-hmm. And the display, like there was a theme behind the display. And, you know, I was putting it together. I was like, it was kind of like an aviator thing. Right. Uh, but it's kind of a nautical thing because they had like the, the captain's wheel and stuff like that. Um so I asked the woman, I was like, yeah, you know, what's going on with these, with this clothes right here? Like, you know, what's this all about? And I'm reading the tags. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's a naval utility. I was like, is what? And she goes, oh, yeah, this is our new collection. I was like, collection? Right. Hey, what do you mean collection? Oh, no, this is, this is for spring uh, 2006. It's a collection called naval utility. I said, oh, so this is a collection? And I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm sounding right, like right. an idiot. But I'm, she's but not I'm, understanding your passion. When yeah. it, the reason behind the asking of the question. Yeah, and the thing is, like, again, we're in 2006. Everyone, like, all the low heads, like, yo, Ralph hasn't made a collection 94. since 94. So she tells me, she's like, no, uh, he puts out three collections every year, uh, each season of every mm-hmm. year. And I'm like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Excuse me? <laughs> um, yeah, so so then I started I started buying the stuff. And, you know, so I'll buy it, like, top dollar or whatever. And, you know, money was kind of scarce, so I'll mm-hmm. buy it take it home, study it, study the tag, and then I'll take it back and get my money back. <laughs> and I was doing I this. I thought you were going to be like Thurston. I was with Thurston just recently. Uh, <laughs> and, and he had on some ill low shit and the dude was, who was with us, he's like, yo, um, that's ill. I, I would buy it off your back. Thurston was like, you want to buy it? Yo, so I sell everything, bro. I sell everything. You can have whatever, what do you want? <laughs> Name your price. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so I started like, actually studying it and I was, and you know, I'd be, like my intrigue just grew because now I'm thinking about it like collect like collectors items and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then um yeah so then my my you know from asking questions and then like I'm relating questions uh, from one sales rep to another who mm-hmm. didn't know, mm-hmm. and then my product knowledge started to expand. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching sales reps <laughs> like. You know, it got to a point where I was getting frustrated that they didn't know what they were selling. Right. right. I mean, it was like, it was closed. Like, nah, this is this collection and right. it's from this season. And the- this, this reminds me of the time I went to Arthur Treacher's in Cincinnati once. And I was like, pulled up. I said, what kind of fish y'all got? And they was like, fried. No. And I was like, no, 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 no. no. See, there's different fishes in the sea. I want to know which one I'm 
Did you say fishes? Yeah. <laughs> some years ago. Yeah, so so from 2006 and on, I, I swore. I said, you know what? Uh, you know, now that I know about the collections and stuff, I'm never wearing mm. any other brand name. So I gave all of my diesel Ernest owns to my nephews, my Nikes and Tims. So from 2006 to present day, like not only do like I like I wear Ralph Lauren Polo, but I actually study the collections right. and I and I've taught myself. I figured out how to shop for it. So my collections have grown. Whereas like so this collection right here, this is um, this is from uh, last fall It's called uh Great Outdoors. So I own about a little over 80 uh, pieces from this collection. So I, so I own all but like seven pieces. From the whole collection. From the entire collection. <laughs> uh, talk to me about your relationship with Mac Miller. Oh, yeah, Mac. Um, rest in peace to Mac. Rest in peace to Mac Miller. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I met Mac at, uh, I feel like it was, uh, from what I can remember, I think it was a like Camp Flognaw mm-hmm. years ago. Uh probably 2014 or so and uh i knew who he was and but i hadn't really heard his music mm-hmm. uh, but i knew he was good and i knew he was popping or whatever and he recognized me which i was surprised you mm-hmm. know because uh, he was a kid yeah he called me to be on a song with him he was studying what we were doing in that raucous era yeah 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 so we so we linked up and like I knew that he was big on the internet, but I didn't realize how big he was, mm-hmm. like as far as like his fan base or whatever. So you know, uh, we linked up, you know, but and we did the whole like oh yeah, they exchanged mm-hmm. numbers and stuff. I didn't think he'd ever hit me up or whatever. And I'm thinking like if I if I were to ever hit him up, you know, I'd probably like you know see that he's in town and somebody wants to go to his show mm-hmm. and you know, right. yeah, hey yo, uh, you know Mac Miller? You think you could? Uh, um, <laughs> the voices. He, yeah, you know, that's how all my friends sound. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so, I, you know, so I didn't think he'd ever hit me up or whatever. Um, and uh, he made a visit to New York, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm in New York, or I'm coming, either he was there or he was coming through, he was like, um, can you come through the studio and you know, you'll bring some shit with you? I was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. We get there, we link, and then I'm, you know, I, I don't know how he was, you know, how other people were around him, but I was completely myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as talkative as I am now, mm-hmm. talked his ears off as well. And, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, of course, on the first meeting, like, we're here in the studio, we're doing the whole beats thing or whatever. I'm playing playing beats and stuff like that. And then um, and I I didn't realize how hilarious he was. Mm-hmm. Like, off off the cuff, he's, like, extremely hilarious. And so we're, like, hit, hitting each other off with jokes and stuff. And, yeah, we just formed a, a pretty cool friendship there to the point where um you know eventually like we start texting each other or he's like he'll hit me up about stuff outside of music mm-hmm. you know um you know when when I got on my weight loss thing where you know uh and he saw that I was like he would hit me up like you know he, he followed me on Instagram and he would see photos of me like yo how like are you losing weight like how how is this happening like mm-hmm. what are you doing and I would tell him I was like Some oh I got this routine tea. little tummy teeth you know <laughs> little uh, waist trainer <laughs> Spanks. Yeah. <laughs> Spanks. I'm dying. Spanks. Nah. Um, yeah, so so we, we actually became friends. Mm. And uh you know, and, and I, I didn't I didn't see him often, but the few times that he came to New York, oh and then he moved to New York and stuff and uh yeah, it, it was just a it was just a real cool relationship. Like we wound up doing like in the history of our friendship, you know, we wound up recording like five songs together. Mm. Um That's life. Just yeah. released uh, after he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. 
Rest in peace to Mac Miller, man. Yes. Rest um, in peace. Good I got one more question for you. And yeah. I feel like this one is for the producers. Okay. For hip-hop producers who really like the sound era that we come from. Yeah, yeah. You started on the ASR. Mm-hmm. You honed your craft on the MPC 3000. Mm-hmm. I remember watching High Tech go from the MPC 60 to the 3000. Uh, Pete Rock, wasn't he like SP 1200 dude or, or 950? Yeah, yeah, or? yeah, 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 SP 1200, 950. And then, uh, and then I think I remember seeing videos of him using the 2000. I don't know what he's using. The now. MPC 2000? Yeah, he was using the MPC 2000. So now, yeah. break down sort of the differences in these. Those, these are drum machines now, right? Mm-hmm. The drum machines and how important they are to that sound. Mm-hmm. And which one is there one that you feel like everyone needs to master? No, as far as mastering, I think you should just master what you're most comfortable using because Madlib. Madlib is making beats on the laptop. Yeah, mm-hmm. or the the, uh, the iPad. Yeah, the yeah. iPad. Garage yeah. Band. Yeah, no, like the well, I don't know what he's using, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I just like, he said he made most of that Bandana album on, on the, the iPad. iPad, and we got I got Madlib beats on the new Black Star, which I should play you that. Oh, one hundred percent. I don't get to hear that yet, but I should play yeah. you that. <laughs> I'm hearing it. You know I'm saying? coming but in. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, 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 because I, essentially they all pretty much do the same thing mm-hmm. you know it's just your mastery of getting like knowing how to like use what it offers mm-hmm. um i mean you know to be honest i've never gotten into like being able to really distinguish certain sounds and you know like people are like well this has more swing than that mm-hmm. i was like i remember mm-hmm. when i first came out the mpc and the sp were competing for our attention yeah yeah and i could tell Oh well, I mean, yeah, between the, those the, two yeah, those were leaps and bounds between yeah. each other and stuff like that. I can be um, like, that beat was made on SP, that beat was made on MP. I can't tell no more. Yeah, but, because like they're all, I feel like they're all just chasing each other's tails at this mm-hmm. point. Like, I mean, you know, certain companies are like, you know, fashion their equipment off of other companies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shout outs to uh, uh, Akai Professional, mm-hmm. um, the MPC makers. Uh, shout outs to Roger Lynn. Roger Lynn. Yep. Yep. Huge. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, to, to be honest, like, I, I don't even get into, you know, what's better and, you know, and, or what has more features because I've heard kids making beats off of, you know, certain equipment that I'm just like, like, mm-hmm. I, like I shouldn't even be trying to do this anymore. Right. You know, sh- shout outs to uh, Illingsworth. You, mm-hmm. have, you ever heard of No, you put me on just now. Man. Yo, Illingsworth, I want 20%. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, nah. These these, these kids are using like uh, the most minimal stuff and mm. making the most incredible stuff. Ain't that hip hop though? It is. It is. That's that's where we come from. Eighty eight keys is hip hop. Eighty eight keys, people's party. Give it up. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys.